as well. But age didn't matter, nor could his anguish change what was. Love could not bring back the dead, nor change the outcome on this battlefield. He'd have to be a warrior now, he knew. The tears within his eyes fell unashamedly down his cheeks. Great William was gone with all that he had taught and all that he had given. And there, with the moon coming from behind a cloud, he could see more of the field of slaughter. Just feet away, he saw his father's brother, proud, handsome, laughing Aaron, as close in death to William as he had been in life. Now he was stretched out across the sweet, rich grass as well, arms splayed as if he reached out to embrace heaven itself. Ah, uncle, you cannot leave me too, he whispered again. You cannot leave me alone. A scream rose within him, fierce and terrible. It threatened to tear from his lips. Again, instinct rose to serve him. He mustn't make a sound. He fought down his cry of pain, a sound that would have ripped across the grasses, a howl of loss, a moan of primal fury, rage, and agony. Instinct served him well. He did not betray himself. He heard footsteps, and he swallowed down the threatened sound, along with the bitter bile of anguish that filled his mouth from what he saw of this day's most terrible work. Footsteps, furtive in the night. Footsteps, moving quietly through the grass. He saw the forms of those who were coming. They began to circle the crude cottage where the Scottish survivors had gathered after the savagery of the battle. He held his breath, studied the men who came, their enemies. He lay still as they passed by him. Duh, he wanted to cry out again, warn the men and his father that an enemy walked with silence and menace among them. But his father was dead, his uncle too. I am alone, he thought again, the wretched, dreadful truth, alone in the world of all his people. Those who loved him would never speak his name again. He waited, and he watched and when the last of them disappeared around the cottage, intent upon a silent assault, he began to rise. He staggered, nearly passing out from the pain that swept through his head as he came slowly to his feet. He paused, letting the pain subside, gathering his strength and awareness. Then he, too, began to move furtively through the grass. Michael, lowland chieftain of the McKinnish family, listened to the talk that went around the fire. He'd been born himself at Dunkeld, the most ancient home of Gaelic and Celtic being. A younger son, he'd come here to this fine sweeping borderland when he'd taken his wife, the last of the McNeese, the traditional owners of this fair stretch of earth. But the McNeese were no more, for since olden days conquerors had come here. The Romans had at last been stopped by the fierce highlanders and rugged terrain beyond. The Vikings continued to raid inland even now upon occasion, and always the English, or those purporting to be English, such as the new Norman aristocracy, came here. The lands were rich, good, men held tenaciously to them, men became a part of them. Perhaps they came to seize land, but instead they became one with it, they became Scots. Aye, now they were Scots. Often considered barbarians, they had never been conquered by Rome. The first time a Roman commander, Agricola, had severely beaten the Caledonians, then in Scotland, he had been called back to Rome. Soon all Britain had been deserted by the Romans. 
Different Celtic and Teutonic tribes had come in, the Picts, the Scots, the Britons, and even Anglo-Saxons. The Kingdom of Scotland remained a land inhabited by different peoples, and they still had their differences. But since the day of the great Kenneth MacAlpin, King of the Scots of Dalriada, they had begun to become a united country. Now there might have been something resembling peace in the region. King David I reigned over Scotland, a king whose sister had married Henry I of England, whose wily father, Malcolm III, had battled William the Conqueror. And if he hadn't exactly won those battles, he had still maintained a separate and largely whole Scotland. David had come to his kingship having watched and learned from his father and brothers before him. He had grown up in England and prospered at English hands, while he had also watched his family struggle with the results of the Norman conquest. He wasn't a young man, but a king in his prime, a mature, wise, and wary man. He never forgot that any...